God, we are grateful and appreciative tonight uh, for all that you do. Check, 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 yeah. Okay. Amen. Proverbs chapter 2 tonight. Go with me to the book of Proverbs uh, chapter 2 tonight. I hope um, you've been having a great new year um, and you've been having a wonderful time starting the year off uh, with God and praying and seeking Him. Uh, it is always a very refreshing time for my family and I uh, especially at this time of the year, uh, to start off with prayer and fasting, uh, to begin the year with laying hold of God and just uh, being rejuvenated, drawing closer to God. Uh, it really begins to help us in our walk with God. And I hope it's the same for you. Uh, you know, when, you're, when you don't have to eat, you got a lot of time to pray. My wife has been just able to say, you know what, I don't have to think what to cook. I don't have to think what to eat. <laughs> it's just the kids. And so it's easy to handle. I think I'm the trouble. I'm the one. And so, but nonetheless, uh, it gives us so much of time in hand uh, to be able to just pray, spend time, seek God, read His Word. And so tonight, as I was reading Proverbs chapter 2 yesterday, um, I came across this first couple of verses that I want to preach from to you tonight. See, at the point of my salvation, one of the things that indicated my salvation and confirmed that I was different was symbolic with the fact that I began to birth a desire for God's Word. There was a desire to know His Word. There was a desire to read His Word. There was a desire to go deeper into His Word. This was one of the symbols, this was one of the hallmarks in my life that seemed to prove that something had changed. See, I got saved at 13 years old. When I got saved at that time of my life, I was just about going into high school, into secondary school, and in that point in time, you know, all that was going on, you know, the things that my friends were encouraging me to watch online and all the nonsense, the words, the cuss words and the vulgarity and all of that was becoming more and more a norm for me at that age. I began to cuss, I began to lie, I began to look at things that were displeasing to God. But in all that one day when I came to church and I got saved, that desire not only just dwindled away, but a desire replaced that. It was a desire to read the Word and to know the Scripture that I became a sponge to preaching. 
I became a man who desired, I told you by story, I had books of, but upon books, piles of books with notes that are back all the way from the time I got saved with Pastor Stacy. It was something in me, the word of God just got a hold of my heart. I desired it so much. And we would have conversations where it always reflected back to the Word of God. Hey, hey, I read this this week. You know, it's interesting. The Bible says this. It's inter- we had conversations. But today it's so rare. I don't hear people talk about the Bible. Sometimes it's so rare. What happened? So I want to talk to you about tonight, a sermon I've called Into the Word. The Word of God tonight, as we're reading the book of Proverbs, is our source of wisdom. It provides clarity. It provides direction. It provides insight. This is what enables God to be embraced in our life. This is what enables God to be exalted in our lives and we to stay humble. Because when we read God's Word, God's Word teaches us things that we should and we shouldn't do. God's Word teaches us how to respond and how not to respond. And in obedience to His Word, that wisdom that is imputed into us enables us to say, it's not about me, it's God. I don't make decisions like that. I cannot come up with advice like that. I cannot counsel a person like that. But when God goes before me, when I go with God's word, when I begin to share and begin to counsel you according to the scripture of God's word, that beloved becomes the bedrock that establishes us to stay on track. The wisdom of God is what we're reading all through the book of Proverbs. That's why I challenge you. Read it. At the get-go, I'm asking you a simple question tonight. In Proverbs 1, Proverbs 2, let's assume we have not read Proverbs 3. Assume. What did you get out of those two books? If you look at my notepad, I can probably write 10 sermons from Proverbs 1 and Proverbs 2. Just thoughts. And I'm going to teach you tonight. I don't claim to know it all. But I want to teach you tonight how to develop that desire, number one. And number two, how to inculcate this desire or cultivate this desire and to go deeper into God's Word. It takes labor. But if you want to do that, if you want to grow in your knowledge with God's Word, God will help you. And so with the start off tonight in Proverbs chapter 2, verses 1 through 2, My son, if you receive my words and treasure my commands within you, so that you incline your ear to wisdom, Apply your heart to understanding. Let's pray. Father, we come tonight. 
I'm asking God that you would give us wisdom beyond our years, oh God. Enable us, God, to develop a desire to go deeper into your word, to become a student, to become a learner, to become a man and a woman, oh God, who desires to learn more from your word, oh God. To dissect and to extract, oh God, from the words that we read every time we turn, oh God. That you will speak to us, that we will be ministered to, that we will receive words, oh God, that will help us tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. So tonight, we must challenge ourselves to understand the word of God better. Can I start off with that tonight? As we kick into the season of prayer and fasting, I'm urging, I'm challenging, I'm encouraging every one of you here today, whether you're a preacher or you're not a preacher, that you would desire to go deeper and to understand the Word of God even more. It is such a mind-blowing thing when you read the scripture. I remember numbers of people, and I can't name you this evening, who have shared with me in moments that they've been going through, that God has spoken to them, and it was mind-blowing to consider how appropriate those words were in the right place at the right time. How does God do that? How does God at the turn of a page speak to the human soul and give a word, a rhema from heaven at such a timely manner? How does that happen? God's word has indeed significantly influenced our lives. If we reflect back, the wisdom on these pages have provided us with protection insight and revelation that has kept us safe. It has kept me safe. My challenge again to you is that you and I will strive this year to spend more time with the Word of God. And more than that, we will, dig a, we will, we will develop a love to dig deeper into His Word. When I read the book of Proverbs, I find that the Word of God is filled with incredible nuggets of truth. It is these truths that will propel us and empower us to lead a godly and righteous life. You can read a passage of Scripture in the Bible and I always will share with my wife, I would say it's, it's so fascinating. I can read this and, and you know, all kinds of thoughts would begin to, to bombard my mind that somehow God has enabled me to think of these scriptures in such a way. But I don't say that boastfully. I say that cautiously, understanding the burden that God has placed upon my heart. But church, where are the men and women who will read the scriptures in the Bible and begin to dissect and understand there's more to it than the words I see on the page. There's more to what God is saying here. This is not all He's trying to say. When I read Proverbs 1 verses 2, to know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding. God, that's not all you're trying to say. To perceive or to know wisdom. God is speaking about protecting us. 
God is speaking about keeping us in, in a sane, in a sane mind. God is speaking about the wisdom that this world cannot give, that words of understanding can protect your life and more than just protect your life, it can save your life. Do you go deep or do you just read to know wisdom and instruction to perceive the words of another? To receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, judgment, equity, I finish. Oh, beloved, these are words of life. It has more than what you meets the eye. Psalms 19 verses 10. More to be desired are they than gold. Yeah, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. The Bible says that the word of God is far more precious than gold. Psalms 11972. The law of your mother is better to me than thousands of coins of gold and silver. That God's word, God's law is far more precious far more valuable, far more important than the thousands of coins of gold and silver. So in other words, these scriptures are expounding to you and I that the word of God, these, these, these words that we hold in our hand that often we take for granted is priceless. It's priceless. You cannot put value in it. It's more precious than gold. Then beloved, if that is true, beloved, the question we must ask, why is it that today we seem to have no longer embraced the book that we carry in our hand with such high honor? Why? Why have we lost respect for this book? Why have we lost honor for this book? How many of us spend so little time reading it? And it's precious. You spend more time reading text messages. This is precious. You spend more time reading the news. This is precious. And you can neglect this day in and day out. We can go days without reading the book, the Bible, because you know, tada basala, pastor, no time. This is precious. This is far more valuable than anything else. The Bible, this is where real value is. It's become a rare sight to find that people share today a scripture that God has spoken to them. That's somehow a revelation, as I said, and so I want to leave you with a few thoughts this evening. And I want to present to you that what has helped me and also what I found in Proverbs chapter 2 to be so profoundly true. And in this, I want to churn within all of us a desire to become a student of the Bible. Not just read it for the sake of reading it, but to become a student of it. In other words, when you go to school, and when you pull your books to read, you are a student of that subject. And when you study that subject, you make the effort to learn. You make the effort to know. 
You make the effort to go deeper. You make the effort to gain interest in that subject. And that is my desire tonight, that you and I will churn a desire within our hearts to become a student of God's Word. That we will cultivate a desire for God's Word. And when you do that, you will grow stronger as a Christian. The lack of desire. You know where the lack of desire is? For the word of... It's rooted in laziness. That's it. We, we don't have to candy coat it. Oh no, I... Uh, no, no, no. It's lazy. You're just lazy to read this. You're just lazy. It takes too much time. It takes too much time to sit down and digest what you're reading and then work on what God is trying to say in that passage. Because we come to church and we assume pastor is going to preach something. And for some people, the only time we turn the Bible is when we are in church. Turn to Proverbs chapter 2. Yeah, I read the Bible this week. There's no personal revelation. And so, our self-reliance, beloved, despises patience. We don't like to be patient. We don't like to say, God, should I take that job? Speak to me. Tell me, God. Show me a scripture, God. God, should I go into this business? God, talk to me. Talk to me. No, 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 no. We work our own logics out. We work our own rational out. Might make sense what? It's so factual. Look at it. It makes sense. Can I be very honest with you? Beloved, there are many things that seem right in my eyes, but God said no. There are things we've wanted to do in life and one of it I'll share with you in a moment. But let me give you three things that I am convinced will develop your, your desire for the Word of God and also begin to develop a, 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 a learning spirit, a teachable spirit, a spirit to learn and to study the Word of God. You see, it's so sad. We can remember so many things but we cannot even remember a scripture and quote it. Quote me a scripture, for God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever. Some people even struggle to quote that. <laughs> quote me a scripture, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and he who believes in me shall not perish. Quote me a scripture, He is the Alpha and the... Right? right? Come on. Do we not know more than that? Oh, pastor, i got memory problem. Do you not trust God to help you? It's His word. Come on, do you think he doesn't? Beloved, I have written scriptures down and read it again and again and again and again and again in one day just to remember the scripture because it was so important to me. It's vital. And so I'm going to leave you with three things that I hope will help you. Now, in Proverbs chapter 2, verses 1, the Bible says, if you receive my words... The first thing to be able to come to a place of learning and to study and to desire God's Word is to become an open recipient. 
You have to learn to be an open recipient. I'm going to give you three other things, but this is, the, 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 this is where it all starts. In other words, what made me desire God's Word is when I came to church, I came removing all my mindsets. I came removing all of my, my, my bondages in my mind. I said, I'm not going to let anything hinder me from receiving the Word. So when my pastor preached the Word, I didn't debate with it and say, oh, I, that doesn't apply to me. I'm a former so-and-so. Or I used to be like this. No, I didn't allow my culture. I didn't allow my tradition. I didn't allow my mindset to hinder my obedience to God's Word. I received it openly. How many people come to church with premeditated minds? You come into church and then when the pastor preaches, you immediately say, ha that's for sister so-and-so. Or that's for brother and so-and-so. And you don't want to receive it because pride has held on to you. Ego has got over you. I cannot be wrong. I must always be right. I'm an older person. I know better. I know what the Bible says. I know, I know, I know. Can I help you this evening? This is, where the, this is where trouble kicks in. Can I help you this evening? Learn to be a person that looks at facts. When people give you some advice, look at their life. If their marriage is in a mess, don't listen to their advice. If they don't have their finances in order, don't listen to their advice. If they don't have their job in order, don't listen to their advice. Listen to someone who's got their life in order. That's wisdom. Some guy who cannot keep his job is coming and talking to you about money and then you want to listen to him. Or some guy who doesn't have a good relationship with anybody. Anybody he talks to, they get offended. They get upset with him and then we want to listen to them. Listen, beloved. You got to learn to be factual. I've learned a long time ago when people give me advice or when people say something, I'll keep quiet. I'll take it sometimes. But I will say, <laughs> I don't think I can take your advice. Look at your life. It's in a mess. Your life is in a mess. And you're advising me, not that I'm being prideful, but I'm teaching you some wisdom. Learn to take advice from people who's got their life in order. When I challenge you to give, I don't, do, I don't challenge you because I don't practice it. I challenge you because I practice it. When I counsel you on marriage or when I speak to you concerning marriage, I have my marriage. I'm not perfect. My wife is not perfect. But we are working at it and we got our marriage worked on. We want to listen to people who are on YouTube. Listen, you got to learn to receive from the right people. You got to learn to receive the word of God. Be open to God's word, hear God's word, and allow God to speak to you. That's where, beloved, it starts. So then we go into the three criteria to become a student of God's word. I've seen this to be true. Number one, the Bible says in the same scripture, Proverbs chapter 2, listen to this. The Bible says, treasure my commands within you. Treasure. Treasure. Say the word treasure. The word treasure simply implies great value. 
The word treasure simply implies that there is preciousness to it. The word treasure simply implies that it was purchased for a high, uh, for, 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 with, with, a, with, sorry, it was purchased at a high price. Something that is treasured, something that is important. And so this is what must take place when a person begins to treasure the Word of God. When the person begins to treasure, treasure, treasure. In other words, when I read the Word of God, I don't read it lackadaisically. I read it with great respect and honour for it because it's treasure. It's important to me. It's valuable to me. It's precious to me. So when it becomes treasure to you, what do you do? You dig. You don't go take a a treasure map and expect the treasure to just appear in front of you when you get there. No, the treasure map will show you where to get the treasure and then you may need to dig. And when you treasure this book, when the Bible says this is treasure, you're going to dig. You're going to start going deeper. What does this word mean? What does it mean in the Greek? What does it mean in the Hebrew? What is God trying to say here? What is God trying to speak to me here? What does He mean by wisdom? How is this application applied in this passage? Why? What are you doing? You're digging to go deeper until you find the treasure. And that's what the Bible says, isn't it? In Proverbs chapter 2, it tells us that Treasure my commandments. Every student who excelled in who they are treasured what was given to them. No biology student or a chemistry student or even a a, a psychology student or any other students, any other education that they may be involved in, no one who has been involved in any of those can simply say, oh, I'm great at what I do without digging. If you want to get good at the Word of God, (laughs) here's a secret. It takes work. It takes work. It takes work to dissect what God is trying to say. And how sad so many Christians are not interested. They receive, but they never go to the second level, which is treasure. So if this indeed is treasure to you, beloved, you should start digging. What is it? You should start spending every day digging. What does it say? What does it say? What does it say? What is God trying? What is God speaking? What is God? Instead, we listen to nonsense. Where is your revelation of God's word instead of the pastor's revelation. Amen. Where is your revelation? What did you get from God this past 2020? What did God really speak to you about? Sometimes people tell you, oh, God spoke to me, but when you listen to what God spoke to them, (laughs) there's no way God told them that. You know, it doesn't check out because it's not biblical. It's not biblical. So do you treasure Do you treasure? Do you have those personal moments of digging 
into his word. The Bible says in Matthew 13, 44 to 45, again, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and hid. And for joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls. So he sells in order to gain. So I'm asking you this evening, if this book is so valuable to you, will you give up some of the things in life so you can have more time with this book? I can't, I can't have a too long of a lunch meal. I need to read the Bible. I can't hang out with you. I need to go home and spend some time with the Bible. I'm not telling you to be a spiritual party pooper. Oh, I need to read, I need to read, I need... No, but beloved, you have to have a set amount of... You've got to structure your life. Every day you've got to have time digging into the Word of God. This is vital. If you want to be a student, it starts by you deciding what is most valuable to you. If it's this book, then you're on your way to becoming a student and a learner of this book. But if this doesn't matter to you, you can just dump it aside. Then it tells me, the Bible says, where your heart is there, your treasure will be also. It tells me where your heart really is. If you can leave this book on the shelf week in and week out and spend no time with it, it's a self-explanation of where and what you really treasure. So if you treasure this, God will give you insight and revelation. The second thing we find in this text and the Bible begins to reveal in so that you incline your ear to wisdom. I'm asking you tonight. The word incline means to be favorably disposed towards or to be drawn in. The word incline means to lean towards. So my question to you is, do you really desire to know what God has to say? Are you with me? In other words, when we are playing, sorry, I was going to say, when we, we, we play a game at home, it's called a whisper game. And so Julia likes to always say, okay, whisper to me, daddy, whisper to me. So I'll whisper to her. And she will go and tell something else to Yen. And then by the time it gets to Jeremy, it's a completely different thing from what I said. But she will come to me and she Daddy, 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 whisper to me, whisper. And she will lean in. She will incline. She will draw in to me because she wants to hear what I have to say. When you are truly a student and you have found value in God's Word, it will only lead you to incline to Him. 
where you will want moments of silence, where you want God to speak to you and God to reveal to you, is this what you are? You will wake up in the early hours of the morning or go to bed late in the evenings or in between, whatever the time may be, you find moments of silence with God so that you can just wait on Him to speak to you through His Word. You incline. You come to church and your ears are attentive to the preaching. Your ears are attentive to the words that are being spoken. Not because it's anything I have to say, but because it is the Word of God that we are preaching. That's one of the tests I've always established in my own heart. God, do I still desire your Word? I go for conferences, I go for services, revivals. I sit there and I am like a sponge. I want God to just speak, God, speak, God, speak, God, speak. I want your word, God. That's inclining. Proverbs 4.20 My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. You see, are the decisions we make inclining us towards God. Let me ask you this evening, in 2020, the decisions you have been making, did you ever bother that it is God or not? Did you even bother to say, God, show me from you. I want to hear your voice. I want to know. I want you to speak to me. See, it takes work. That's why people don't like it. You have to learn to incline. Do we have interest to know what, what God says about the decisions we make? Do we care? God, what do you have to say? God, I want to marry this person. Or God, I want to take this job. Or God, I want to be able to do this. God, I want to be able to move in this direction. Is this your will? Do you incline, God, speak to me, God, 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 tell me, tell me, God, tell me, tell me, I want to hear, I want to hear. I told you, beloved, that today godly counsel is so foreign. People don't ask already, they just do. Suddenly you hear, ah, you're going out with that person, yeah, Pastor, can you marry us? Ah? <laughs> Pastor, I just took a job, I did it. Not that the pastor wants to intervene or interfere or nose into your business. But there are advices that God can give you through the man of God that can protect you. There are advices that my pastor has given me that may have been wrong by context, but God has protected it because it came from the man of God. There's a reason. Incline. When you come for prayer, do you even have a time in your prayer time? Oh, Rebo Sunday, God do this, God do that, God, God do this. Okay, let's go, finish, come. That's all. Do you not care what God has to say? Do you not incline your ear? You know, in the beginning of the MCO, Last year, my wife and I began to do some work. 
And I remember sharing with a few of you on what we were doing. And in the midst of doing all of this, we were making some headway and opportunities were beginning to open up. We were finding ourselves in a place where there were things just beginning to flow. We were communicating with some companies and things were kind of slowly beginning to fall in place and taking off. But eventually, as we were moving through that process, I'm praying one day and God began to show me, hey, 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 this is not what I called you to do. God convicted me. Was it wrong what we were doing? Not, absolutely not. Was it righteous? Yes, it was. Was it illegal? No, it wasn't. But it was just simply not God's will. You see, you can seem to base the decisions you make on the outside as being right, but God could be telling you it's wrong, it's wrong, it's wrong, it's wrong, it's wrong. Don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. But you are so set in your ways that our ears are not inclined to God, that God cannot get our attention. And so do you, in the word of God, do you spend time digging and asking God, God, speak, show me God, show me, inclining your ear towards God. God, I want you to tell me. God, I need you to get personal with me. You know what happens? We don't pray about things. And when things get sour, guess what we do? We blame God. It's all God's fault. It's all God's fault. But you didn't ask God in the first place. You forced Him into your plan. You forced Him to do what you want Him to do. You said, no, this is, must be God. Must be God. Because look at the offset. Everything looks like God. No. Have you inclined? Have you drawn your ears closer to Him and said, God, I need to hear from you. Finally, the Bible says, apply your heart to understanding. The word apply represents practice and action. Jeremiah 15, 16, your words were found and I ate them. And your word was to me the joy and rejoicing of my heart, for I am called by your name, O Lord God of host. Your maturity in God reveals how much of God's word you have put into practice. Show me a matured Christian. You know, don't brag about 15 years you've been a Christian. 20 years you've been a Christian and you're still addicted. You can't even break free. Where, where, where's the power of God you so-called go and tell everybody about? You can't even apply. So numbers mean nothing if you're not maturing. There are Christians who have been Christians for 15, 20 years, but they're still infants by far. Why? Why? What's the, what, what, what makes it? Because they never went through the process of receiving, treasuring, inclining, and applying. It's a process. When you receive, 
you treasure. That's a choice you make. Once you start treasuring, you will leave the church and on your own time and in your own effort, you will spend time reading because you treasure His Word. You won't wait for the next service to come back and then hear the next sermon. You will be spending time reading, digging, searching into His Word. And when you have treasured Him and treasured His Word, you understand how powerful, how valuable, how important, how precious this Word is, so much so you realize, I cannot go through life without God's direction. So what does that lead you to? Incline. God, tell me. Tell me. Now, now I've treasured. This is what matters to me. Not what BFM says and so-and-so says or this, this stock guru says or that person say, no, 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 no. God, what do you say? What do you say? I want to know from you. I, I want to know. I want to know from you. Isn't it easier to go and get advice from somebody who's in the physical than God? Most of the time people like to, oh, this doctor said that. Huh? That doctor said this. Huh? How about you ask what Jesus said? Incline your ear to Him. I'm not doubting that doctors are put in place by God. I'm not doubting that lawyers, they are all gifts by God. God gave them the gifts to be who they are. It's a gifting, it's a calling. I'm not denouncing that. But do you even bother what Jesus says? If this book is so important to you, do you care that Jesus is telling your attitude is wrong, you need to change and you could care less? He's saying, you're filled with pride. You've got ego. You talk bad about your people. You backstab people. You gossip and slander. You go around cussing and swearing. And God is trying to tell you, but you never will give Him attention. Never incline. So because you never incline, you can never apply. No practice. So I come to the conclusion that the reason why Christianity is where it is today is because people are receiving. You come to a church like this, you receive the Word of God, but people don't think it's important. They walk away and they assume, ah, this... Right? And then they leave it. So they don't spend time reading at home. They don't spend time studying at home. They don't spend time digging the Word of God at home. They don't spend time going deeper into the Word of God at home. And because they don't treasure it, they don't know the value of what they have. And because they don't know the value, they don't bother seeking God. God, speak to me. God, show me. God, reveal to me. God, tell me. God, I need to know. I need to know. I want your Word to tell me. And therefore, there's no application. When you don't apply, Jeremiah said, as I'm, I'm closing here, closing. I didn't think that this sermon was going to go that long. I, I kid you not, it's only a two-page sermon. I was going to preach it in 15 minutes and send you home since you're fasting. I hope you are. <laughs> but your words were found and I ate them. He ate those words. Your maturity, how much you grow, have you met some grown-up babies? Grown-up infants. Take something away from them and watch them cry. <laughs> How old are you? 55? Bro, you need to grow up. That's not how a human being your age is supposed to behave. You need to talk. 
they have growth deficit disorder. They never grow up. Why? Because they read it, they read the Bible, they think it's a great thought. Wow, great sermon, pastor. But then you go out there and then you continue to live your life. Don't tell me great sermon if you're not going to change. Don't, don't, don't have to fan my ego. Don't worry. I know I preach all good sermons. <laughs> no, but I'm not joking. I'm, I'm telling I want you to change. You need to apply it in your life. What you hear, what you listen to, what you receive, you need to apply it in your life. And when you apply it in your life, beloved, guess what happens? You see God moving in your life. And when God starts moving, it encourages you. When it encourages you, it motivates you to go deeper. Oh, I must do more for God. I must be more obedient to God. I must be more right with God. I must do more. I must serve more. I must give more. You start applying what you read in your life. If I'm a practicing Christian, I leave you with this. Listen to this. If I am a practicing Christian, how's my prayer life? How's your prayer life? Come on, be honest. Don't, don't. We're fasting, we're praying. How's your prayer life? You've got time to get it in order. You've got to spend time with God. You gotta be praying. You gotta you, you gotta be carrying a prayer life equivalent to the years of your salvation. If I'm saved for five years, this is how I should be praying. I should be praying either as a five-year-old Christian or even more than that. Something must be happening. If I came up to you and I told you, oh, I'm a 50-year-old Christian, and then you think, 50 year old, and you behave like that, ah. Right? You you would think, but but in our prayer lives, does my relationship with God justify my salvation? That I've been saved this long and my prayer life is a symbol of how long I've been saved. How can you tell me you're a Christian for 10, 15, 20 years and sit and not pray? How? How can you tell me you're a 10, 15 year and don't understand the first or the last thing about worship? How? How can you tell me you're a 10, 15 year old Christian, but tell me, oh, this is all I do, and, 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 and that's all. You never, you never want to serve, never want to grow, never want to do anything more for... How can... It doesn't make sense. You know who I'm sad for? You, not me. Because you should be growing. I'm a five-year-old Christian. I should be at a five-year-old mark. Oh, if you looked at Jeremy now, you can tell he's a nine, ten-year-old boy. But what if he was in Julia's body? <laughs> and he said, I am actually, or in Isaac's body. For example, Isaac was in Julia's body. And Isaac said, this is my age. And he looked, no. Nah. doesn't make sense. Christians who mature can be seen from the outside by the way you speak, by your actions. And sadly, 
Sadly, this is the truth. I pastored long enough to tell you this. I've seen enough. There are many Christians who don't pray. Who their only prayer in a day is our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins and lead us not into temptation. Amen. It's a one minute or even 30 second prayer. That's all prayer life is to them. They've never matured. They've never grown. So can I help you this evening? Don't be mesmerized or be amazed when someone tells you, I'm a 20-year-old Christian. No. How's your prayer life? Really, how's your prayer life? How's your giving? Have you been giving the same until now? Now, that's not a mockery. That's not condemnation. But that is, somewhere you've got to challenge God to bless your life. Come on, church. You've got you to say, God, you've got to bless me. I can't be giving like this. I need you to move in my life. I need you to increase. I need you to open doors for me. I need... See how many times we stay stagnant. Why? Because we don't apply what we hear. So tonight, the question is this. How's my commitment to the kingdom? How's my knowledge in God's word? You know, the truth is, you deceive nobody except yourself. Wisdom says, grow in the word of God. And if you still cannot remember scriptures and you still cannot read the Bible and have insight, I feel sad, I feel sorry for you. Because our God is a God who heals the mind. Our God is a God who expands the memory. And if you seeked Him, if you made effort, I told you about the story of Laura's story, the woman, her husband. He made effort, he takes his phone, he's got uh, uh, what, what you call a, a, a short-term memory. Memory loss. And he said in an interview, I'm afraid if my daughter tells me something important, because of his brain tumour, he said, I may and will probably forget it. So what do I do? I take my phone out and I jab it on my phone. So when the day comes, I need to remember, I pull it out. Because I don't want to forget. Is that the same with God's word? Will you take a notebook and start writing the scriptures down? Will you? Will you have interest in that? I want you to bow your heads with me.